0: Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dan Rhoda, and with me I have Father Eli Gieski. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good. Good to be
1: with you once again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We uh uh we had a nice parish picnic last week. Have you? Are you recovered from it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really exerted myself. Yeah. Uh, Fighting for that victory in is, the beanbag tournament.
0: Is that arm a little sore from uh, from
1: those beanbag tosses? If I'm being honest, no, it's not. But uh, you know, <laughs> I I, uh, I guess I'm still young enough that I can recover fairly quickly. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: yeah. I noticed uh, there were some people that were saying that it was rigged because there was the uh, the two clergy in the championship yes. with uh, Father yeah. Eli versus Deacon John. Yeah. So Deacon John and Julie were
1: the one side, and then Matt um who's uh, people know but the walners son-in-law he and I were together as a team so yeah cool. we 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 got better as the night went on and uh so we, it, it turned out that we we won the tournament, which I was kind of pleased with because since i kind of made a big deal out of it, but um I did feel a little sheepish that that I won so I'm sorry
0: pun, pun intended for your <laughs> uh, team name
1: yeah shepherd the shepherd and the lost sheep or something like that
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 that's good that's good so uh so yeah yeah it was, it was good there was a, hand, a good amount of people there yeah you know, people, people kind of trickled was, in i was happy to see people came and hung around and enjoyed
1: the time together and it was great to have the the music and the games and just time to be together as a parish family so i i really enjoyed the evening
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was good it was good so yeah if you missed it gotta gotta come next year
1: next year yeah i think It'll probably be the same weekend, so the weekend after Labor Day is kind of what I've done in the past, and it seems to work good because people are coming back, and they are happy to see each other, you know. Mm -hmm. It's been a long summer where they've been off doing their own thing, and now they're all back, so. And the weather's still usually pretty good at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we have, uh, I mean, a couple, this, so this week, Faith Formation started. Yeah. That's kind of like the big thing that's happening this week. Yeah. Uh, so that was really, that was yesterday. Yesterday. It was the first day.
1: Um, we met with the confirmation parents and some of the students on Saturday or Sunday night just to kind of go over mm-hmm. expectations and stuff. And then, yeah, yesterday was our first class with the older students. And then we met with the parents of the younger students yesterday. So it was good. It was good to just see their faces and, uh, you know, kind of get back on the roll of it. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty chill evening. It wasn't too intense. We we did an uh, introduction of the core team and then um, a little activity with them. So
0: it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, good. Then, uh, kind of upcoming, something to put on radars is uh, Intro to Catholicism or RCIA will be starting yeah, October right. 12th.
1: Yeah. Which is a few weeks away, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you know somebody who is interested in learning about the Catholic Church, maybe you yourself, um, they can be Catholic, they can be non-Catholic, they can be, like, fallen-away Catholic. Anybody uh, can come to this. It's inter-Catholicism, so it is uh, educational. It is also the means by which we are uh, providing RCA, which is Rite of uh, Christian Christian Initiation for Adults, so how adults become Catholic in in our parishes as they go through this course. Um, So basically, on Tuesday nights, we meet from 6.30 to 8, and we present a topic and father rich myself and the sisters are the ones who typically present we do have a few other guest
0: speakers but yeah 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 that's good uh and i know like last year and i I know a lot of people like went to it who had been catholic for years and they all got things got something out of it so
1: we we probably average, i would say 30 35 people uh each week so and we yeah, we had some people come just for a few weeks or the particular topic or uh, or for a time or whatever. So, yeah, it was fun to see people come out. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, well, uh, so this week we had two feasts yeah. that we're going to kind of highlight and talk about today, uh, one of them being the Exaltation of the Cross, yeah. which was on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then um, the Feast of the Seven Sorrows of Mary, that was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think just kind of on the face value, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. And this is probably part of what we're going to talk about is that both of them are like, it's like the, the feast of sorrows, which is kind of like a, doesn't make a lot of sense. And then like the exaltation of the cross, which we know what the cross stands for. And so, um, like that is just, I think those are both really interesting feasts yeah. cause they take something that is. Like, sad and turns it good. Sure. You know? Yeah.
1: No, um, yeah, I agree that there's a there's sort of a paradox that's involved when we talk about the exaltation of the cross. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that um, to be clear, uh, Tuesday's celebration of the exaltation of the cross is a technical feast, meaning uh, it's elevated. Whereas Wednesday, we say feast in the more um, liberal way, I guess, of like, hey, it's a celebration. Um, It's actually a memorial, I believe, so, um, but it's still, in the breviary and in the um, uh, Roman Missal, there's, like, prayers for it and everything, so it's kind of funny how that is sometimes, like, you have a feast day for, like, the archangels or something like that that would have everything, and then you have feast days where it's like, oh, they just put a prayer in there and, like, maybe an antiphon for the Magnificat, or if you pray the breviary a lot, you'll notice that there's sort of these discrepancies, like, even though this is just a memorial, it's got all these extra things. Yeah. Whereas yeah. A, this feast has only got a few things. So, but in any case, I think I have always been interested in both these uh, special celebrations because just kind of they they kind of get at the crux of humanity, which is our we celebrate and we glorify the fact that God has come to us and saved us. And yet we also experience the cross in our life and the sorrow in our, in our life and so forth. And so it's kind of like these days encapsulate our human experience. Yeah. So they exalted us the cross. We talk about, we exalt in the cross that it was the fact that God saved us through the cross. Jesus came and died on the cross. Um, he made the cross not just an instrument of torture, but an instrument of rec- uh, resurrection, reconciliation, r- redemption, all these things. And so um, the church is really glorifying in the fact that Christ is victorious on the cross. And so uh, it's a beautiful feast day uh, to celebrate and re- recall that Jesus has won and we can glory in that. Even now, even as we're experiencing the cross, um, in some sense, this life is the cross. You know, the yeah, whole, yeah. whole experience of this valley of tears uh, is a phrase that we have in the church. Where we we're walking through this life, and it is sometimes a bitter experience. There are joys. There are moments of um, peace and serenity and awareness of greater things. But um, there's also the, the the cross, the suffering, and the and the hardships that come. So, yeah, the the exaltation of the cross, I think, is a pretty old feast day. I didn't really look to see when that was established, but it's I think it's been around for quite some time. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think I like the like thinking about it kind of as a paradox because um just like thinking about it it kind of it rem- reminded me of one of the lines from like our prayer when we like last week when we did that m- meditation mm-hmm. where it said like for like your ways are not god's ways and your thoughts are not god's thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um because Like, like it just, the fact of it being like a paradox is hard for us to kind of like make sense in our brains Mm -hmm. sometimes because it's like, no, this is like, this is a bad thing, but it's also a good thing. (laughs) How how
1: can suffering be a good thing? Mm -hmm. How can the fact that we, we killed Jesus be a good thing? I mean, yeah, you look at it on the face value. It's like, why are we celebrating this? Why is this a good thing? Yeah. And we're not celebrating the fact that we killed Jesus or the fact that he died on the cross, or we're celebrating the fact that through the cross, he brought redemption to us and brought uh, a path for us to become reconciled with God. So it's a beautiful thing in, that, in, in what it attains for us, not in the actual uh, experience of the cross. Like we don't, even even though we recognize suffering as part of our life as Christians, we don't say, oh, Suffering is a great thing in itself. It's it's a it's a great thing in as much as it connects us to God or helps us uh, be purified and prepared to be with God. But in itself, suffering is not a good thing. We don't we don't seek out extra suffering just because we're like oh we're masochists or something. We want to we want to suffer. It's no. We recognize when when we suffer, we can combine our suffering with the Lord and say, Lord use this suffering for your glory and for my purification and for the salvation of souls and all these kinds of things. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a small distinction. Sometimes it may be hard for people to make that distinction, but it is an important distinction. We're not glorying in the suffering. We're not glorying in the sorrow. We're glorying in the fact that God is doing something with it. And through that, we are being united to Christ in a deeper way, in a more uh, intimate way. So um, it's kind of, Hard to always understand that in the in the moment, especially when we're suffering. But to be able to say, "I'm experiencing suffering. I'm experiencing the cross, as it were," um, and to say, "But I'm walking with Christ in this," that changes the changes the experience. So if we can picture our suffering, walking with Christ, the way of the cross. If you can think of like carrying your cross and so walking with the Lord. It changes how you do it and what 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 the experience of it is and what it means. Then, rather than just saying, "Oh, this sucks. I'm I'm suffering, <laughs> and I don't I don't like it," you know, yeah, you're not gonna like it. We shouldn't like the suffering, but we can like what the end product is, which is us being more fully united to to Lord or sharing in um, His journey. So,
0: yeah, and I like, um, like even just thinking about the idea of like this life like being the valley of tears like it to a certain extent like the life is the cross like well, like you said um but but yeah it's it's just it's, it's a hard thing to maybe like think about sometimes especially d- depending on where we are if we're on like a peak and or kind of like a consolation or desolation mm-hmm. like you know like that can kind of affect how we're we look at our circumstances, right? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, if we're in like a low point, we're like, "Oh, like everything, like everything's dark." Yeah. <laughs> um, these sort of days, I think, can be like really good to reach us in that point, mm-hmm. like when we are like really struggling with yeah. with something, because it gives us hope. Yeah,
1: right. It gives us a, a little bit of meaning too, I think. In the midst of our suffering like we we can start to say i don't understand this i don't like it but you're saying that there there's a purpose to what i'm experiencing right now there's a there's a meaning to it Or that that, that god can do something with this rather than just me enduring it for no reason mm-hmm. like, that can give us a purpose can give us meaning and then through that hopefully bring us into a hope that this isn't going to be the way things are forever and that this isn't like your fate is to just suffer, but uh, through this suffering, God is doing something in you. So, yeah. But it's in the moment, like like you said, when we're in the when we're in the valley, where we're in the valley of tears. It's not easy to have these philosophical thoughts or ideas. And um, so, yeah, I think just to be able to uh, let go of always needing to understand, but having in the back of our minds like, okay, the cross, there's something about yeah. the cross that is redemptive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me think a little bit about, um, the, w- we read it. Um, so we do daytime prayer at our staff meetings mm. and, you know, like once a month we get the, this one, I don't know what Psalm it is, but there's the one line that always sticks out to me and he's, it's like M- my one companion is darkness. Mm. Like it's like that last line. Yeah. And um and like the whole psalm is like pretty kind of like depressing. He's just like, Everyone left me, like my friends have turned enemies, like like all this stuff. And the last song is just like my one companion in this darkness. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and it's just like um yeah, it's just like it's hard because it's like, yeah, we don't wanna be in that spot, but we know that when we are in that spot that we actually like through like thinking about like that maybe the ex, like the exaltation across a little bit but once we get to like the seven stars of area like we actually like have like for all of the ways that we we can like connect with God in our joys like there's ways that we can actually connect in our sorrows mm-hmm. and in that like loneliness and in in, in that darkness yeah. it's way, way harder <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh but that that's there and that the church actually like has um like exist for when we're there
1: yeah yeah right. i think i mean if you think about it too what really sets the saints apart is their ability to connect with god in their sorrows because in some sense when things are going well or when i'm feeling good or when i'm in consolation like i'm kind of flying high like i don't It's not that hard you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: but when I'm feeling bad or when I'm suffering or when I'm feeling distant from God, it's then that what I do in those moments that really defines my inner soul, like where I really am. Because it's easy to think like, oh, I'm doing pretty good when things are good. But when yeah. when we're struggling or when we're confronted by something that challenges us, um, what do we do in that moment? Do we turn to the Lord and seek to be united to him in that, or do we, um, you know, as St. Ignatius talks about in his discernment of spirits, do we turn to low and earthly things to try to distract us from feeling bad or feeling um, pain or suffering or whatever? So it's kind of those moments when we're tested to see what is our tenor? What is, what am, what's, what's the state of my soul? Uh, how 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 strong is my relationship with God, and do I really depend on it? Do I re- is it there to fall back on, or is it just something that I sort of profess but doesn't really come to play when when I need it? So um, so in some sense, because God allows us to, to be tested throughout the course of our lives, we get a, many opportunities to kind of grow closer and and say, well, I didn't do very good there, I didn't do very good that time. I need to I need to Ask God to change my heart and to convert my heart. Because when I struggled, I basically ran away from Him. I, I said, I don't I can't do this. You know, whatever our mm-hmm. experience is, or if we say, Oh wow, that was really helpful. Like I, I stayed close to Christ in that suffering, and it changed how I suffered. It changed how I experienced it, and uh made it not as dark, as as deep as other times in my life. So our disposition can really change if we have that um, connection with Christ. So, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah.
0: Yeah, should we um, talk a little bit about the sorrows? Yeah, let's
1: talk about the seven sorrows. So, we have the, the memorial uh, celebration of the sorrows, uh, sorrowful mother of Mary. And um, there, there's sort of a history here. So, doing some research. Um, so Mary revealed to St. Bridget back in the, I don't know what part of the 14th century, but Bridget died in 1378. So sometime, sometime in her lifetime, she revealed this, um, kind of practice of meditating on the sorrows of Mary. And then she also reveals some promises. So the seven sorrows of Mary, I'm just going to go through them quickly to kind of what are those seven sorrows? Like yeah. These are kind of like an official list. Not that there couldn't be other things that were sorrowful in her life, but these are the things that the church has encouraged us to meditate on because Mary gave these to St. Bridget. Um, so the first one is the prophecy of Simeon. So this is at the um, presentation when Mary and Joseph present Joseph, uh, Jesus in the temple. Um, He's circumcised and so forth. And this is when they meet the prophetess Anna and... Simeon, who's sort of a a priestly figure, prophetic figure um, from there. So in in Luke, we hear about this. Um, Then there's the next part is just alluded to in Scripture, the flight into Egypt. So you'll see paintings of this or whatever, the flight into Egypt. So when Herod was searching for Jesus and wanted to kill him, Joseph had a dream in which the angel told him to take Mary, and the child Jesus into Egypt to fly to Egypt. So they went to Egypt for some time until Herod had had died, and then they came back to to Nazareth. Um, So that's a sorrow. Then the loss of Jesus for three days. um, We just get a very quick image of this in the Gospel of Luke again, where, um, if you remember the passage, they go up to Jerusalem for the feast, um, Passover, and they're on their way home, and they realize Jesus is not with them, but they were traveling with the group. It wasn't like they're just the three of them. And like, oh, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. <laughs> no, it's like they were probably going in a caravan or something like that, but they realized, you know, oh, Jesus isn't here. So then they went back to um, the the city of Jerusalem and were searching for him for three days. So three days they didn't know where Jesus was, and they found him in the temple. So sorrow of losing Jesus. Um so those ones all happen during Jesus' infancy narratives. The next ones all happen during the Passion. So um kind of skip a big chunk of his life there, but mm-hmm. um so then we have the the fourth one is the carrying of the cross. So Jesus is carrying his cross. And again, these are all kind of viewed through the eyes of Mary. So Mary is the one who um we're meditating with. Not that you can't think of it from Jesus' perspective, but really The sorrow is Mary's, because she's the one observing or experiencing this sorrow. Uh, Fifth one, the crucifixion of Jesus. So Mary's at the foot of the cross. We hear about that in John's Gospel. Um, Sixth one, Jesus is taken down from the cross. So these are all happening pretty successively, all in the same day. And then the seventh one, the last one, Jesus is laid in the tomb. So you might think for uh, number six of the Pieta, the image of Mary holding her yeah. son. Um, that would be an appropriate image. And then oftentimes you'll see an image of uh, Jesus being laid in the tomb. Like if, if you pray the stations that crosses, that's one of the um, one of the stations. So these are the seven sorrows. So you meditate on them. Uh, there's various ways in which people kind of do the... There's actually a... Um, Sort of a practice, uh, I guess, of meditating on these. So sometimes people just say pray one Hail Mary after each one, or is your 10 on that one? Um, others, there's like more refined prayer, like you know, a re- a re- reflection that you can read and pray that were written over time. There's, I think, there was one that was written by one of the popes or something, maybe Pius X or something. Um, but yeah, so the history um, was revealed to Saint Bridget. Who was made a local feast. In Cologne, from a synod in Cologne in fourteen thirteen, and then it was moved to pair with the exaltation of the cross by Pius the tenth. Pius the tenth was pope from nineteen o three to nineteen fourteen. So I don't know exactly when he did that, but um, he moved it to September fifteenth, which is the day after the exaltation of the cross. So that's kind of the history of how the feast developed. Um, so, yeah, there's these little promises that Mary made to St. Bridget and have been popularized. So, uh, do you want to go through those?
0: Yeah, yeah. We couldn't so this would be like um, like promises or graces that Mary like, grants to people. Yeah. And who, as,
1: as with any meditation or thing that comes from a vision, you don't have to do this or you don't even have to believe that it was real. The church says uh, you can um, and we we find no no error in it. There's there's a goodness in doing this practice, but sometimes people are skeptical. And it's like, well, you don't have to believe these, and you don't have to do these, but this is something that the church recommends mm-hmm. to those who want to. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one is uh, I will grant peace to their families, which is that's yeah. nice. That's, that's nice. That's a nice one. Um, they will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. Um, do, do do you think that would mean just like more insight into like specifically like the sorrows, but then just like all of the like just kind of mysteries of like Jesus, like almost like a like bringing you to like a deeper spiritual like awareness. I think
1: I think that's what they're getting at. Like I mean, I guess we'll have to ask Mother Mary someday. Like, yeah, sure. tell me what you mean by this. I I really want to know. But I I think divine mysteries is often a a term we use for the liturgy itself, but I think in a broader sense, just understanding our faith, understanding, um, you know, how do we live close to God, I think is kind of what we're getting at here.
0: Yeah. So the the third one is, I will console them in their pains and I will accompany them in their work. And I think, I, I think like, th- this is a big one and kind of what we were talking about like earlier with the exaltation of the cross mm-hmm. but just like the fact of like meditating through these sorrows especially when we have sorrows of our own like like Mary almost like consoles us mm-hmm. in our sorrow like we can like like all, like to a certain extent going to like like if you go to like a grief group or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. it would be a maybe a somewhat similar thing yeah. but like personally with, with with Mary right yeah 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 i think that's that's a good way to put it. So four is I will give them as much as they ask for as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine son or the sanctification of their souls. Yeah.
1: That might be a little confusing to some people, like I could really use a million dollars right now. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think basically uh, Mary is promising you'll 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 receive what you need for your sanctification to so that you grow closer to God. You'll receive the sufficient grace. Um, you'll see, receive the help you need. Um, there's a lot of things that we could want or wish for or would hope for in this life that actually probably wouldn't be that helpful to us. Maybe for many people, a million dollars would be an awesome thing, but it could lead us into excesses. It could lead us... I mean, I don't know. Isn't there like research that people that win the lottery are less happy or something like that? Yeah, cause yeah look for consolation and happiness in the wrong places i, I guess oh, that'd be my guess is that they start to monetize everything and and try to buy happiness in a sense through possessions and whatnot and in, in some sense when we realize all our earthly desires are achieved it's like oh i feel empty now because there's nothing to strive for yeah so yeah in in some sense uh, it's important to keep that all in mind like god is going to help us mary's going to help us but um. Only in as it in as much as it's going
0: to help us get closer to God. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's you know kind of uh, like a side tangent, but like that's something that I think a lot of times is like, well, why wouldn't God want me to be rich? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that like like that's something that we yeah. have to like come to yeah. It's like okay, w- w- like what do I actually need? Right. You know, um. So that's just kind of inter- interesting. Why thing. wouldn't God want me to be a professional athlete? Yeah. And
1: be famous and blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so number five is, I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. That's a, a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Yeah, a little protection.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, again, we always have to keep that in mind of protection from what? like What's going to keep our souls from being united to God, not necessarily protected from every earthly thing. Like, I don't have to be afraid of the coronavirus anymore because I've prayed the seven sorrows of Mary. Nah, well, you might still get sick. You might still uh, even die from it or something. But at the end of the day, if, you, if you're praying this meditation, there's a promise here that Mary's gonna accompany you and help you be united to the Lord. So um, protect you from what can really kill. As Jesus uh, talks about, do not be afraid of what kills the body, but that which can kill the soul. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Number six, I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. And you know, you've like heard stories of like people that see Mary like before they die. Yeah. I was just with a lady last night.
1: I got a phone call or message, um, in between the two faith formations, uh, with the younger kids and older kids and I was able to just run up and do the anointing but um, yeah she's on her deathbed and did the prayers and you know you can't see what they're thinking or whatever but she kept doing this like thing with her arms where she like lift up her arms kind of like as if she was like like seeing something or exulting in something or whatever but at the same time she was on a breathing machine with oxygen and everything but there was a certain serenity it seemed like to me in her experience so
0: yeah yeah and, and that's something like that comes with like i mean every time you pray a hail mary mm-hmm. you know like um just um just like every just a, a lot of the prayers that have to do with mary have to do with her death and mm-hmm. just like no, like 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 just be with me yeah yeah and like am i death mm-hmm. um so that's like a big, um, which which if you think about it, she was with Jesus at the time of his death. So that's just like a, yeah, kind of a cool, mm-hmm. like a really powerful
1: part there. Yeah, that's an important part in anybody's life when they're transitioning from this life to the next.
0: Yeah. So uh, the seventh and last one is, I have obtained this grace from my divine son, that those who propagate this devotion to my tears and d- dolores will be taken directly from this eternal life from from sorry directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness since all their sins will be forgiven and my son will be at their eternal will be their eternal consolation and joy
1: yeah so the language there dolors are dolores. yeah that's just, just a sorrows. A sorrows yeah, yeah this is sorrow it might be coming from the latin or something i okay. forget uh, but yeah i mean again pretty impressive promise uh Basically, you're going to skip purgatory. That's kind of what they're saying here. Um, it kind of goes along with some of the other devotions in the church. I think um, you know, there's the Apostolic Pardon. There's the um, promises that come from the uh, the um, Sacred Heart devotion. These kinds of things. But the idea is, if if I truly am united to our Lord and our Mother through the devotion to this, it's going to change my life. It's going to change how I um, live my life. And therefore I'll be more perfectly united to the Lord. So that's kind of the idea.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe even just talking about that a little bit more, like it doesn't necessarily mean that, Oh, I cool. I, Now I can do whatever I want and I get to skip purgatory. Like, that's not, it's not like a free pass.
1: You're eating meat on Friday in Lent? Well, I pray the seven sorrows of Mary. I can do whatever I
0: want. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, like, that's not what it is, but it's just saying, like, hey, if we, yeah, kind of like what you're saying, like, if we give our, if we truly, like, are connected to Jesus, like, through Mary, um, that that's one of the graces of like living a life connected to jesus yeah there'll be a conversion in our life and it will be visible yeah
1: and how we live so yeah those are some pretty profound promises um so basically you meditate on the seven sorrows pray the hail marys um i was actually seeing there's like the special rosary that has yeah like the little images of the sorrows and then like seven beads in between so Mm -hmm. i think you pray the mist or the thing, it's kind of like a rosary, but a different yeah. kind of rosary, not the typical yeah. one. Um, so there's different ways you can do this, but another way you can just do it is to meditate on them, maybe pray one Hail Mary. That was one version I saw, but in any case, I think the idea is uh, to connect with our mother and her sorrows to share in that will change the way that we experience our sorrows and our uh, struggles and our. Suffering, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, to one like extent, uh, this being like a devotion is like kind of like with the rosary, with the Divine Mercy chaplet. Like, there's a lot of things that you can do mm-hmm. that we don't want to have like just our prayer time just be doing a bunch of things. Yeah, which they're good. Yeah, but we, but it's not just a check check the box right i did this i did this i did this
1: i did all seven thousand of my devotions today i'm a good catholic yeah yeah. you don't have to do all these things these are just tools at our disposal Mm -hmm. and they may or may not be helpful so
0: yeah and i think like especially if we're going through a through a a big sorrow in our life Mm -hmm. this would be a very good devotion to take up maybe just for a period of time you know maybe it's something that you really like connect with yeah um, cause you know, all, pretty much all of the devotions have promises along yeah. these lines yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, it's, I don't think w- it has to be something like, okay, well I have to do this cause I want, yeah. you know.
1: Daniel and father Eli said, I have to, have to do this new devotion. So I'm mm-hmm. going to add it to my list of things I have to check off every day.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. But just like having this available to be like, if we're in out of state where we're can we kind of feel like we're in the darkness. To be like, you know, I, I'm just really going to try to meditate on these hours of Mary and find some like consolation. Like, no, no, like, cause I like I know what I feel, but like, what was she feeling when she was being with Jesus as He was dying? Yeah. You know, like that's a really powerful way to like connect yeah. to Jesus and Mary.
1: Yeah, I just would maybe also mention, I've I've come across many Catholics over the years. Who like they don't wanna meditate on sorrows. They don't wanna be sad. They don't wanna like all this all this kind of talk of like seven sorrows or any kind of sorrow to them, it almost seems like like I don't want that. I don't that's not the kind of Jesus I want. And it's like they want this whitewashed Jesus or Mary where everything is joyful, everything's happy and I can understand that from one perspective. Like there's enough sorrow in this life. I don't wanna I don't wanna meditate or spend time thinking about it more. But in another sense, it's like, well, but the cross is part of Christianity. You can't have Jesus without, you know, the cross. It's it's. He told us we'd have to carry our cross. He told us that that's going to be part of it. So to say that we're kind of exonating or getting rid of anything that's sorrowful or anything that's hard or when we talk about suffering or whatever, um, there can be sort of a, a misunderstanding of what we're saying there why why we do this so just encourage you if if you are suffering in some way maybe you've lost a spouse or maybe you've lost a child even uh, maybe maybe there's some hardship that you're experiencing in your life this might be something to 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 try for some time to to be with our mother be with Jesus in the sorrows and uh, allow them to to help you through that time so um I just wanted to touch real quickly. This devotion is kind of coming to new... Uh, I don't know if you want to say it, people have kind of taken it up anew. There was a, a, a visionary in Rwanda right, right before, right during the time of the genocide. I think the genocide was in the 90s, early 90s. I think that vision happened in the 80s. So, uh, the 1980s we're talking. So pretty recently, where Mary appeared to uh, this lady, I'm going to say it wrong, but Marie Claire... Bukukango I can't say it, bukukango sorry for all you people from Wanda. Um So Kabayo is the place where she was and Mary appeared to her and kind of shared with her this uh, this special meditation uh, again kind of t- asking her to be an advocate for those who will pray this and it kind of makes sense if she came about 10 years before the genocide and the, all the sorrows that were going to come with that, like it was kind yeah. of like a preparation. And it's interesting how often that happens when Mary comes ahead of some catastrophe. If you think of uh, Our Lady of Lourdes, you think of Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of uh, Guadalupe, there, there were great things that were happening in the world, not necessarily in that place, but sometimes in that place, there were a great hardship. And so she came to bring a little bit of light in that darkness or prepare them for the darkness that was about to come. So, um I, um,
0: I didn't notice that she was actually killed in the genocide, yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah. So, gen- genocide in Rwanda, the Tutsis and the uh, what were the other, what was the other group? Like Hutus, I think. Yep, yeah, I forget which group was killing which, but yeah, a horrible time for, for that nation. Um, maybe you've heard of, we, I think we mentioned before Immaculate. Yeah. Ilba who's kind of shared her story, and she's also a proponent of this um, meditation of the Seven Sorrows of Mary. So it's definitely a tool that many people have found helpful, and um, these great feasts are here to help us and the meditations that come from them. So we have the Stations of the Cross, we have the Seven Sorrows of Mary. There's all these things, again, tools, not requirements
0: use them as as helpful. So. Yeah, yeah, great. Um I mean, maybe one thing as we're like kind of as we're closing up um just do want to talk a little bit about the idea of like redemptive suffering and how like if somebody maybe specifically if if somebody that we know is going through Um, maybe through like a dark time or experiencing some sorrows, like how we can actually like walk with them or um, like be with them in that um, without just, you know, saying, oh, here's the seven, like, here's the seven sorrows. Like pray this and you'll be fine. That's not necessarily (laughs) (laughs) true. Or just like, oh, well, like you're going through this, just like offer it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which again, to a certain extent, is true, mm-hmm. but maybe not like what they need or like yeah. charitable for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't uh, want to be crass about it. Like, yeah.
1: just offer it up. It's not a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how how would you like, if somebody is, you know, really experiencing sorrow, how do we like actually like walk with people?
1: Yeah. So the whole idea of redemptive suffering, uh, even in the prayer, uh, I think it was maybe the prayer after communion yesterday, it kind of touched on this idea that we can make up for the sufferings or the lack of Like I forget if it's Colossians where Jesus um, or Paul Saint Paul talks about making up for what is lacking in Christ's suffering or something like that. It's like nothing was lacking in Christ's offering, but he allows us to share in the suffering. So he, he he basically gives us the role as the church to offer our sufferings as redemptive suffering. So what that means is I unite my suffering to Jesus when I'm suffering or when I see a loved one who's suffering. I can invite them. Let's go to the cross with this. Let's let's walk with Jesus on the way to the cross with this suffering. So you're you're inviting them not to like the suffering you're not just going to be able to make it go away, right? So but you're changing how they experience it by by inviting them to to share it with Christ, to bring it to Christ and so again it's not a change in the experience of it necessarily of how we feel it, but it's a change in how um how we relate to Christ in it. So we're asking, Lord, I, I I experience the suffering and all the pain, all the suffering that I'm feeling, um, I, I give it to you to do as you will with it. Like, use this for somebody's good or for my sanctification or the sanctification of souls in purgatory or uh, maybe there's a, a friend or a family member who you know is a hardened sinner or turned away from the church or whatever and you can offer that suffering for their redemption. So it's like a, it's not a, you might think of it as like a, a monetary offering where I I offer this for their sake, but instead of money, we're offering this experience of our suffering. So it's like a, a thing that we can offer to the Lord and and change it into something that's meaningful and helpful to someone else. So I think it's a it's a mindset. It's a um, it's an understanding of what God allows and invites us to do, and when we enter into redemptive suffering, it's a way in which we really unite ourselves to Jesus on the cross. We we are walking with Him in the cross. We're experiencing the cross, and so it it is. Um, and, and many saints, you know, sometimes have even asked to suffer for others. I would say that's a little bit of an extreme in the sense of most of us don't get that get to that point where we are ready to do that. But it's um, a sign of sanctification, a sign of love when we're willing to suffer for others. If you think of like a parent who maybe has, or even just a mother, you know, the the pain of childbirth, right, is, I don't know what it is, but I know it's great just from what people say. They're willing to go through that for the good of bringing forth life. Um, but there's many situations in our lives where we might, Say I'm willing to suffer because I love you. I'm willing to suffer because I know that there's some good that's going to come from this. Um, soldiers who give their life for their for their country, for their family, for their preservation of their life. Um, those who um, are martyrs, in a sense, they they share in that. So these are all things which, on the surface, just look dreadful and painful, but on uh, spiritual sense that can be transformed when we, when we ask the Lord for the grace to endure them and offer that suffering uh, for for the sake of others. So,
0: yeah, great. Well, thank you, Father Eli. Uh, thank you, everybody, for for listening, for being with us for this time. Uh, we hope you have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to again next time.